Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. In today's episode, I'll be reading two poems, both by Longfellow, Four by the Clock and Chimes. Both poems combine two of Longfellow's favorite motifs, the night and the sea. In each, we find the poet's thoughts as he lies awake in the night's darkness. Or in one of them, at least, he is lying awake. I'm not sure about four by the clock. Is he lying awake in bed, or is he up, looking out his window into the darkness? Or has he even stepped outside into the night? A note by the poet before the poem begins tells us that he is at his summer home by the sea in Nahant, Massachusetts, ten miles northeast of Boston. Let's listen to the poem. You can decide if you think Longfellow has gotten out of bed in the pre-morning darkness. Four by the Clock by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Nahant, September 8, 1880, four o'clock in the morning. Four by the clock, and yet not day. But the great world rolls and wheels away with its cities on land and its ships at sea into the dawn that is to be. Only the lamp in the anchored bark sends its glimmer across the dark, and the heavy breathing of the sea is the only sound that comes to me. In the lines... Only the lamp and the anchored bark sends its glimmer across the dark. The word bark is a poetic word for ship or boat. The poem asks us to see the light coming across the dark water in the blackness, and I think the poet must be seeing it too, not just imagining it, seeing it from his window as he looks out, or from the beach where he has gone to walk. Which strikes you as more poetic? I waver between them. What is clear is Longfellow's imagining of the Earth's rotation. Though we don't feel it and can only see it by inference from the movements of the sun and the moon and stars, the Earth is always turning east toward the dawn that is to be. The poet does feel this turning, not physically, but internally, in his stomach and in his heart, conjured by his inner imagination combined with the actuality of the outside world. The second poem, Chimes, though still short, is a little longer, a sonnet, and thus fourteen lines compared to the eight of four by the clock. In Chimes, the poet is lying awake in bed, Though with his eyes closed, he hears the chimes of a clock tower and thus knows the time. He sees the constellations moving overhead, over the house he's in in the night, by what Shakespeare's Hamlet called the mind's eye. In this poem, the world doesn't turn toward the dawn, but rather sinks under us in the night. The sea isn't present in its actuality, but only as an image, and an extraordinary image it is of the world sinking, making hardly an eddy, a mere rush of foam on the great sea beneath a sinking keel. 
What is this great sea upon which our world, perhaps the universe itself, is a mere rush of foam? Let's listen. Chimes by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Sweet chimes that in the loneliness of night salute the passing hour, and in the dark and silent chambers of the household mark the movements of the myriad orbs of light. Through my closed eyelids, by the inner sight, I see the constellations in the arc of their great circles moving on, and hark, I almost hear them singing in their flight. Better than sleep it is to lie awake, or canopied by the vast starry dome of the immeasurable sky, to feel the slumbering world sink under us and make hardly an eddy, a mere rush of foam on the great sea beneath a sinking keel. These two poems were written in the years before Longfellow's death in 1882, Chimes in 1879, and Four by the Clock in 1880. They share a mood as well as motifs, a mood not surprising in one approaching death, quiet and meditative and profound, a product of sleepless nights, but not nights of distress, but of peaceful contemplation. Do they, though, not contradict each other? In the earlier, Chimes, which was written first, though I read it second, the world continuously sinks beneath us, an eddy of foam from the keel of a great ship. In Four by the Clock, on the other hand, we find the world ceaselessly turning toward the dawn. Yet I don't find the two poems contradictory. Chimes is the more mystical, but a mystical feeling isn't a despairing feeling. Perhaps just the opposite, as we let go of all sense of importance, all sense of self-importance, retaining only the sense of the vastness of the universe in which we exist for a moment. For by the clock is perhaps only slightly less mystical, as the great world rolls and wheels away with its cities on land and ships at sea. A small distant light glimmers in the darkness, and the sound of the surf, like the breathing of the sea, comes to the ear. Neither this poem nor chimes was published during the poet's lifetime. They were gathered and published in a volume titled In the Harbor After His Death. Let's listen to the two again, this time with chimes, the earlier written, first. Chimes by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Sweet chimes, that in the loneliness of night salute the passing hour, and in the dark and silent chambers of the household mark the movements of the myriad orbs of light. Through my closed eyelids, by the inner sight, I see the constellations in the arc of their great circles moving on, and hark, I almost hear them singing in their flight. Better than sleep it is to lie awake, or canopied by the vast starry dome of the immeasurable sky, to feel the slumbering world sink under us and make hardly an eddy, 
a mere rush of foam on the great sea beneath a sinking keel. And now, Four by the Clock. Four by the Clock by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Nahant, September 8, 1880, four o'clock in the morning. Four by the clock, and yet not day. But the great world rolls and wheels away, with its cities on land and its ships at sea, into the dawn that is to be. Only the lamp in an anchored bark sends its glimmer across the dark, and the heavy breathing of the sea is the only sound that comes to me. Last episode, I read Longfellow's Paul Revere's Ride, a poem of action, brisk and precise. In other poems, he has told stories of pathos and of humor and of injustice. We've spent time in his company in the Middle Ages and in fishermen's cottages. We've experienced the parting of friends and the changes of the seasons. I don't know of another American poet as varied in tone and feeling, thought and subject, mood and atmosphere. In England, we can look to the novels of Dickens and the plays of Shakespeare for a similar wealth. Once I've completed this podcast in another ten episodes or so, I'll be turning to Shakespeare's plays in a new podcast titled Dr. J's Shakespeare. On alternate weeks, I'll be looking more widely at American literature in a podcast titled Dr. J's American Passages, which will allow me an even greater range of voices, moods, and subjects. I hope you'll be joining me for both. But until then, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and that you'll join me again next week for another episode of Fireside Poems. If you think others might enjoy Fireside Poems, please let them know about it through your social media so that they might join you and me each week by the Fireside.